0: I've got, I've got a really cool message title, God's Bar and Grill is in Front of the Gates of Hell. God's Bar and Grill is in Front of the Gates of Hell. I'm, I'm trusting that it's going to get even better, but I thought I'd love the title out first because I often get texts on a Monday like, what, what should we call it on the website? Well, that's what to call it. God's Bar and Grill is in Front of the Gates of Hell. Take that message home with you, and you've, you've basically got it. There you go. How about that? Shortest message ever. <laughs> but l- let's give it some biblical weight, shall we? <laughs> it's the miracles are happening all the time. It's overwhelming at the front here. And uh, <laughs> would you turn with me to Luke chapter 1. And we're going to look at verses just 1 to 3 for a minute. (laughs) Fantastic. Luke chapter, no, it's not 1, I'm reading this, 10, 1 to 3. Looking at that thinking, no, I can't preach it from that. (laughs) That's beautiful. Uh, So if you read through the book of Luke, in the chapter before this, Jesus sent out the 12. So he sent out those who who were apostles. He sent them out on a similar mission and then it it talks about this that after this the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them two by two ahead of him to every town and place where he was about to go. Let's keep going. He told them, the harvest is plentiful but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest therefore to send out workers into the, the harvest field. Go, I am sending you like lambs amongst wolves. Now, there's a motivational message, if I ever heard one. Uh, if you didn't know this, uh, it says don't take a purse or a bag, but we, we're just going to stop there. If you didn't know this, that wolves eat lambs. <laughs> wolves see lambs as breakfast, lunch, or dinner. And, and, and this was Jesus' great and cunning plan, was to send out the 72 uh, among, uh, into this dangerous environment. I don't think Jesus... Ever did a health and safety course, um, and could we also go to Psalm 23 and verse five? I'm just going to put these things side by side, and you'll we'll, we'll get into it. <clears throat> this is David's Psalm, incredibly well known, and, and he's just talked about how God leads, even if God leads you through the, a valley of darkness or a valley of death, that He's is with you, and and then he says you prepare a table. Before me, in the presence of my enemies, you anoint my head with oil, and my cup overflows. You prepare a table in the presence of my enemies, and you anoint my head with oil, and my cup overflows. And we're going to come back to that in a minute, but just think about Jesus for a minute. And and here's the twelve, and they've gone out, and they've had an amazing time, seeing incredible things happen, miracles happen, demons leaving, people getting healed. And then Jesus says... The harvest is plentiful, gathers 72 others, so it's not the 12. The harvest is plentiful, the laborers are, are few, so pray that the Lord would send them into the harvest. Now you might just think he's just beginning to make an invitation to a prayer meeting. So he's saying, look, there's a huge harvest, there's a huge opportunity. Get ready, get ready, we need more laborers, so let's, let's pray for them. And what he does is he says, well, pray for them, but also go. Also go. And and what I want to just highlight right now is he says that to everybody. This is the 72 others. It's not like the few. It's the everybody. Everybody's sent to go. Um, Everybody's sent to go. Now, it can be into your school or into your place of work, but you're sent to go. You're not just a worker to earn money. You are sent as an emissary, as a representative, as an ambassador of the King of Kings. You are carrying heaven into your workplace. Everybody's sent to go. There's not just the special ones because we're all the special ones. And, uh, and he sends them to go with, with, with actually quite a a scary thing. He doesn't seem to do, you know, if it was me, I've been thinking about this. I thought, go. And I'm sending you as sheep among wolves. I mean, that's not, that's, that wouldn't be up there, greatest motivational messages. That wouldn't be, that's not bringing security to my spirit. That's, that's a message to heighten my anxiety. So Jesus is doing something that's, actually, if I take it wrong, can engineer and, and, and cause fear to spring up in my heart, but he's still me, telling me to go. So He's not saying, go, and it will be wonderful. He's not saying, go, and I will be with you, or he does say that later. He's not even saying, go, and I'll make sure it's safe. He's saying, go, and then he tells them not just go, but amongst the wolves. He tells them, and then don't take any food. I mean, that would be really tough for me. In our, in our leadership team, I am known as the hobbit, Once one one meal is over, I'm already making sure we have plans for the next one. I am am a believer. It's not in the Bible, but it should be that an army marches on its stomach. I think it's an inspired word. So, for me to be told to take no purse or bag, or even sandals, I mean, I'm being sent on a mission as a sheep amongst wolves with no lunch. And no means to buy any. But Jesus is saying go. He's saying go. And he's saying go to all of us. And I just want to say the harvest is plentiful, the laborers are few. I was just working it out in the last seven weeks, we've seen 15 people come to faith. Come on. There's three yesterday, there's been three through... The recent Sunday mornings people responding when we've had uh, opportunity for them to respond and then there was nine in the light life event we did seven weeks ago that's and some of them are coming back to get baptized and this the harvest is plentiful it is happening and it feels like it's happening like healing started here a few years ago we just started one twos threes every month and now we just expect that somehow or other people are going to get healed every month and it just gained the momentum and it still is getting ga- you know People with paralysed hands are getting healed, and we've had we've had incur- two people with incurable diseases healed, and you know we've seen other kinds of breakthroughs with all sorts of diseases. Isn't that exciting? And more is happening, and now people are getting saved. It's just just falling into the kingdom, making professions of faith. The kingdom of heaven is arriving on the earth. The harvest is plentiful, and He's saying, "Go." He's saying, "Go." Just just turn to someone and say, "He's saying to you, go." He's telling you, it's not just for me, it's not just for them up the front, it's for you. And just turn to them and say, just remember that wolves eat sheep. Alright, just really encourage them. We're going to the wolves and they eat the sheep. Oh, he sent them as lambs. That's even worse. Let's just check the scripture. I thought it was sheep. Lambs amongst—that's well, worse. I mean, at least sheep are full-grown; they maybe could put up a fight. A well, lamb—if you've seen the lamb sort of bouncing around the fields recently—lamb versus wolf: zero chance. Okay. So uh, Jesus gives them a challenging assignment. He—he do, he doesn't even acknowledge their potential discomfort. He just says, "You've got to go with no food." I mean, that—that's really worrying me more than the wolves, to be honest. But that's a personal issue. And actually what you find is there's a biblical pattern here. God says, I promised the children of Israel, I promised you a land. It's overflowing with milk and honey. It's a glorious place and I'm going to lead you there and I'm going to give it to you. I'm going to give you this incredible place to live and it's going to be amazing. But P.S. there's flipping giants in the land. (laughs) But I'm giving you the land. The harvest is plentiful. There's a harvest to be had but it's like going amongst lambs with wolves. There's a, there's a parallel, there's a biblical pattern. Yeah. There's scary things in, the play, in between you and the destiny God's calling you to. Jesus sends us to scary places. It's highly likely that he's going to ask you more than once to do something you find challenging it's highly likely that his assignment to you that rests on your life does not fit what is comfortable. It's not the equivalent of a nice warm fire and slippers in your life. His goal is not your comfort. Did you know that? He's not trying to lead you into, he's not going to create a lack of fear in your life by removing the problem. Actually, these guys, is like, let's make it as scary as possible with no food. And go, (laughs) and go, go you lambs, go bound among the wolves. (laughs) It's highly likely that Jesus is going to call you to do something that's desperately inconvenient. That's... Potentially dangerous that involves teeth marks getting on your wool. It's highly likely that God's purpose for you is so big it's potentially overwhelming. Can you imagine? I'm a little lamb and there's a big wolf. I want to take the land and there's a big giant. Ah. Jesus was definitely not into health and safety. I think the reason he sent the comforter is we need comfort. That's the, one of the roles or the names given to the Holy Spirit is there's Jesus like, come on, let's go. Let, let's go try walking on water. Let's go as lambs amongst wolves. Let's, let's cast out demons. Let's do all this stuff. And then we're like, wow. He said, I've sent you the comforter because, boy, you're going to need him. <laughs> my peace. Did, I mean, when he said, my peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you, they were like, "Wow, we really need this. See, we're called to lose our lives in order to find them, not save them. If we spend our life trying to save our life from difficulty and fear and challenge, we're actually going to lose it. Actually, the challenge here is to submit to the call of the Lord into the scary things. And there we're going to find our life. Surrender to His ways, not insulate and protect yourself. I felt a bit soggy over there when I said that. <laughs> Surrender to his ways, not insulate and protect yourself. Yeah. Have I got everything I need? Is it a scary place I'm going to go? Yeah. Sometimes in me it's like, well, if I don't have everything I need and it looks scary, it can't be the Lord. Yeah. This is the opposite. Yeah. I think that's something in all of us, certainly in us, we love courage. Yeah. Don't you admire courage in other people? Yeah, but you know there's a ton of courage in this room just waiting to be released against all kinds of wolves. (laughs) Whoever will keep his life will lose it and whoever loses his life will preserve it. The best way to look after yourself is to do the scary things with Jesus. The best way to stay safe it's to get scary with Jesus. I, I, I sometimes wonder if the freedom message that we embrace and we preach and we love in this house could be misunderstood as, uh, and, and can be thought of as a message of freedom equals ease and comfort and self-gratification. That is the absolute opposite. We're set free to serve sacrificially. That's what Galatians 5 says. For freedom, Christ has set us free. Don't be enslaved again to a yoke of bondage, but what are we set free to do? We are set free to serve one another in love, i.e. we're serving not out of obligation, but our freedom leads us in love just to want to bless and love people in the most extravagant and lavish ways because we've loved, we're loving. So we're not meant to be it never works to just simply be the recipient of freedom and love and just go, oh, I need more, I need more, I need more, I need more, and it never goes out of you. Because what's in you becomes stale and stuck. Actually, the increase happens in as you give it away. And, and if there's not a desire in you to serve, and there's not a desire in you to take a risk for Jesus, then it's a good place to go back to Jesus and say, hey, why, why is this desire switched off in my life? Because actually the operation of the Holy Spirit and, and the work of the new creation in us produces our desires to be in line with His desires. And we're not, we're, not to, we're not to quench His desires because of this freedom idea means I don't need to be uncomfortable. Jesus made them uncomfortable all the time. We've often said that, but this is another one of, of those situations. Can you imagine being a disciple of Jesus. So, you know, a mission day with Jesus. So, like yesterday was kind of a mission day for us. I don't think any of us quite face this. Or so, Jesus sends them out on the boat to row because he's pr- praying. And <clears throat> he decides that he's going to walk the lake. It says they're having a hard time because the wind is contrary. And actually, what if you read different translations, it was quite a stormy day. And what happens is they see... Jesus, but they think he's a ghost. And literally, one translation says he's walking on the tops of the waves. So they see like a specter to them and they cry out in fear. Ah! It's a ghost. And then, if he says back to them no it's me be at peace so everybody calms down and Peter gets an excited idea that he's going to do the same so he jumps out of the boat and starts walking on top of these waves and then he looks at the waves and blah 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 and we know the rest and he's rescued by Jesus as soon as Jesus gets in the boat it's interesting that the detail that the 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 scripture writers put in because they're probably about halfway across the lake it says as soon as he got in the boat they're on the other side what an awesome day Jesus walks on water. Peter nearly drowns. Now we're at the other side. Then they get out of the boat in some accounts, and the next thing they do is a guy who's naked and breaking chains with his hands starts to come towards them. This is a Jesus ministry trip. Is any of this unchallenging to any of you? This like is just my regular day in the office. You know, I regularly face people who are naked and break chains with their teeth. That's just every... every, every there's no... There's no kind of challenge in that for me. <laughs> this is disciples, all right? This is what we are. So Jesus has a way of leading us into fear, full places. And just because you're afraid doesn't mean it isn't God. And, and the psalm we read tells us that actually in front of our enemies is where the biggest feast is. The scariest place is the place where there's the most food. So that immediately has got me motivated. <laughs> I love the message. It says that you've, you've prepared for me a six-course dinner right in view of my enemies. <laughs> I don't know if that's literally the Hebrew, but that's the message paraphrases a six course dinner. <laughs> this sounds great, except it's right in front of my enemies. All those scary wolves and giants. The table with all the food on is right in front of them. And then he says, You anoint my head with oil, which was an, a refreshing anointing in hot. Hot weather, so it's a picture of the Holy Spirit. And my cup overflows. That's like the wine is literally is being poured into it. So he's got his six-course dinner, his oil oil on his head of refreshment, and then and then God is pouring out the wine of the Holy Spirit. So it's literally flowing over the cup. So he's got all this wine and all this food right in front of all the scary stuff. So there's refreshment, there's satisfaction, there's resources, there's intoxication. Right in front of the scary stuff. I've started to realize if we run away from the scary stuff, we're missing a good meal. (laughs) Sometimes the very provision we're crying out for, we're missing it because we're running away from the scary thing. Actually, what we need is right in front of the scary thing. God said, well, it's right here. I've prepared a banquet. I've prepared the wine. I've prepared the refreshment you've been crying out for. It's all here. It's just you're thinking it's not for you because you think scared equals not me. Or scary equals not me. (laughs) In the scariest spots that he leads us to is the greatest supply. It's like heaven's perspective, like many things, is completely upside down to ours. We're like, oh, this is so tough, can't be God. Well, maybe that's exactly what it is. It is God. And we've said before, often where we hit resistance, that's because that's where the enemy marshals all these resources. He's not infinite in power, infinite in resources. There's not an equal fight. Even between you and him is not an equal fight. It's not like, well, God's almighty and the enemy's tiny, but, you know, me and the enemy, were like, no. Even that's not true. I just feel that there's times when I've abandoned, and maybe some of us have abandoned our call, And we've doubted that a word was from heaven because when we pursued it, it got scary. We took some steps towards it and we had a really disappointing time. Is a tough time a reason to doubt your, or abandon your call? I don't think so. If I read the book of James, it says faith is tested. Where does faith come from? Faith comes from hearing God. God's word in your life of promise attracts challenges. Actually, getting a word of promise and then hitting the resistance is probably proof that you just heard God. But for many of us, it's like, oh, it can't be God because look this, this. I mean, I had such a passion for church life, I had such a passion for leadership, but I had such a tough time. I can't have been really God, I've abandoned it. That's not true. Is opposition sufficient reason to wonder if you heard God? Is the fact that it was a hard season a reason to believe that you're on the wrong path? I don't think so. If you're like a lamb, there's a big wolf. Yet yeah, it could be the will of God. There are lots of enemies. That could be the very place that he's serving the nosh. It's just when we get so full of fear and we get our focus in the wrong place, we start to retreat from the very place of provision. Because that that enemy is coming down. It may be an enemy wrapped up in a circumstance. It may be an actual appearance of a demon but some way you're being resisted some way you're being opposed some way the enemy is putting on his biggest scariest face and going at you to make fear get in your heart that's that point where you miss the provision because you start to internally if not just externally retreat from the point of breakthrough David Goliath David, probably a teenager, sling three stones out of a brook. Goliath, probably nine feet tall. And all the stuff that some of you have heard is, what does David do? He runs at him. He finds three stones. That's the banquet. That's God's God's provision in front of him. It was three stones. He says, that'll do. (laughs) I'm taking him down with three stones. And he's cursing him, he's cursing him by his gods, he's speaking all sorts of fearful stuff over him and David's running straight at him with his sling and his three stones, the the, the, the table set. It's the banquet of heaven and one of those cakes is going to hit him straight in the head. Caleb and Joshua, when they go in the land and they see the giants, they know, they know that giants mean promise, not disaster. And everybody else chooses to believe that the the giants mean disaster. And fear takes them back from the promises of God and the provision of God. Because when they finally do it 40 years later and they start to talk, the spies start to talk to Rahab. You know what she said? She says, when we heard about when you got out of Egypt, fear has seized us ever since. God had already sent fear of them ahead of them, ready for them to enter the first time round but they got scared by the enemy and so retreated. They missed the fact that the table was set, the cup was poured and the oil was available because there was some scary giants. God had already sent fear of them ahead. For 40 years they'd been waiting in fear for the day when they would show up. They just kind of knew that they were going to lose even though they had this city walled up to heaven. Are the giants in your land or the wolves in front of your destiny or the Jerichos obstructing your call, are they the last word on your situation? No, they're not. Are they reason to retreat? No, they're not. Are they reason to doubt the word that God gave you? No, they're not. Are they reason to doubt the call on your life? No, they're not. If it didn't work once, it didn't work twice, if it didn't work three times, if God said it, it's still in force and there's going to be a meal that will feed you in order for you to make the breakthrough because your enemies are not going to succeed. When they came back, having been told that they were going to be wolves' lunch. I, I want to read it. Let's read it. Uh, it's Luke 10, 17, 19. I'm going to read it in the Passion Translation in a second. Let's read it together here. The 72 returned with joy. Ha-ha. <laughs> they all came back. None of them got eaten. <laughs> Lord! <laughs> Wow, even the demons submit to us in your name. He replied, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. <laughs> this is the, I love, if you can get Passion Translation, anything. Buy it, read it. Sally granny, buy it and read it. <laughs> Ask her permission first, of course. Jesus replied, while you were ministering, I watched Satan topple until he fell suddenly from heaven like lightning to the ground. You can make Satan fall. He may look big, hairy, scary. You only need one stone to knock him over. I'm going to read that again. That's so good, isn't it? While you were ministering, while you were ministering, out on the streets of Glasgow. While you were ministering, someone got delivered, by the way, we didn't get that testimony, someone had a demon cast out of them, as well as he did. While you were ministering, Jesus watched Satan topple, until he fell suddenly from heaven, like lightning to the ground. Because goodness gracious, those lambs are calling a, causing a ruckus in Glasgow. <clears throat> now he said, now Jesus said to them, now you understand. Now you understand. I have imparted to you all my authority to trample over his kingdom. (laughs) You will trample on every demon before you and overcome every power Satan possesses. Absolutely nothing will be able to harm you as you walk in this authority. Why didn't he say that to them at the beginning? (laughs) I would have at least felt better, you know, sending me no lunch, I'm a lamb, they're the wolves. But now they come back and all this amazing stuff has happened around them and he says, now you get it. Now you know who you are. Now you know what I've given you. You've shot a few rams, You've taken a few down. You've had some victories. You, you've caused a rebalancing in heavenly places. You've caused Satan to fall to the earth. Now I know some people argue that Jesus is referring to when Satan was cast out of heaven. But the context demands that Jesus make a commentary on what happened to Satan during their ministry trip. The context demands that. You have to invent that other idea. I'm not saying that Jesus didn't see Satan put out of heaven. But I'm just saying the context demands that when you ministered, you, made, you gave Satan the biggest headache of his life. And he had to get out of his place and come down because he had to reinforce his troops because they were losing. Your greatest provision is right before your enemies. Retreat can mean that you miss God's greatest supply. I, I read uh, a great story about Heidi Baker. This, is, this, is, this will melt your brain. It's a true amazing story. There was a cholera outbreak in, in the city that they were in. And uh, her and Pastor Saprasa, she says to him, we, we're going to go pray particularly for the children. And cholera is highly infectious. Uh, it produces dysentery and sickness and stomach cramps, and people can die within two three days and If you get any of this stuff on you and and so they go to the place they 've the, erected this hospital tent, a quarantine tent with guards outside it and they they basically told to go away because no one should go in here because if you do you 're going to Get this and die, but they insist and insist that we want to go and, and love these children and pray for these children, so they let them in, but they say if you go in we 're not going to let you out, yes. and they go in, and the stench hits them and, and and the people are working the best they can, but the bowls of unpleasantness are just filling up and spilling over by the side of these kids beds and they're going up and they're hugging these kids and they're praying for them and their saliva and their mess is getting all over them and then they realize there's no clean water so actually surprise a, a surprise he gets out the guards don't see him he comes and brings fresh water and they're praying for these children the children are starting to get healed from cholera and over a period of time many many are healed And are released from this quarantine place, and neither of the two of them actually get cholera themselves. They walk out completely free. That that's taking it to the gates. That's seeing that provision is right in the scariest place. That's courage to go, you know, if I go in there with my God, he's gonna give me lunch, dinner, and tea, and I'm gonna walk all over the head of the enemy. Your light, where's the darkness? What darkness are you getting rid of? Where's God positioning you? It's time to advance into our supernatural callings. It's a good time to start believing for things you stopped believing for when you thought that perhaps that wasn't what God had said because it went wrong or it was difficult or it was scary. Because right there, There's amazing provision. Right there, there's a six-course meal. I I believe that just all the prophetic, all the worship, it's a day to pick up things that got dropped. It's a day that things are going to blossom you thought you'd forgotten. You know, God answers prayers, you forgot you prayed, and you didn't believe anyway. (laughs) There's at least two examples in the Bible I could point you to, but I don't have time. So the stuff that you prayed, you're like, wow, that was so impossible and wacky and out there. It's never going to happen. He doesn't think like that. He goes, you prayed it. He doesn't forget. And then one day, boom. There's one guy in the Bible. He prayed it, forgot he'd prayed it. Then when he answered it, he didn't believe it. So he was struck dumb for several months, until, but the answer still came. Watch out what you pray. It's going to happen. No prayers are wasted. No prayers are wasted. It doesn't matter how long ago you prayed it. 38 years waiting for the pool to stir. Jesus walks along the guy says to him, take up your mat and walk. There's no time limit on this. It's not like God gave a promise and it's got so dusty and so worn out that he's forgotten it, he can't read it. They're always present in his presence. Time to run at your Goliath and step out of the boat and face your Jericho. Because in him, that's that's actually ultimately, we can tell you, we can preach your identity till we're blue in the face and you're fed up of hearing it. But actually you're going to find it when you actually do it. Then you're going to understand, we're awesome. God's bar and grill are right in front of the gates of hell what jesus said i'll build my church where's he building it in a nice quiet luxury island with five star service no it says that i'll build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it where's he building it right in front of hell's gates that's that's demonic authority And he's not building it there for us to be scared. He's building it there because they're in trouble. It's time to stop thinking the enemy is scarier than us. Us little lambs have got bazookas. (laughs) We're smiley and we're happy, but stick a demon in front of us, it's coming down. Those drooling, snarling teeth are just going to get wiped out. That's what happened to the 72. They came back like, You sent us out like lambs. We've come back like Schwarzenegger. (laughs) We found out we got stuff going on. We have authority. There ain't nobody going to take me down.